Brothers and sisters, friends and comrades, this is the PRC Show. I am your host, Paul Cooley, and thank you for listening. Today on our show, we have Brian Windhorst. Uh, we are going to talk a little bit about uh, safari, traveling, and it's a fun conversation. It is currently 61 degrees and cloudy in Harrisburg, PA, and I'm excited. Fall is the best month. October's wrapping up. It's going to be November, the best month. Would you not agree, Robin? I think October is the best month. October is pretty good, but uh, November, we have uh, November 23rd, my birthday. Um, we have Thanksgiving, the best holiday of all of them. I mean, family time, lounging around, you know, having a good time. Um, World Series is wrapping, well, starting. Who knows who's going to win? It's split one game apiece right now. That's exciting. Ebola is threatening to destroy humanity. I mean, let's... Let's, let's uh, calm down, yeah, not be part of the fear-mongering here. Um, particularly where I work in the emergency department, um, there's a various... People have different views on this, but some people are really insane and saying dumb things, and it's surprising, even physicians. Um, but I don't even want to get into that. I have been so freaking busy. I've worked seven days in a row, and I don't want people to feel bad for me. It was like some of the shifts were pretty easy, but... You know, I'm trying to save up some money because I'm probably going to have to take some time off coming up. But, you know, everything's going to be fine. But I'm just trying to make a little money, pay off some debt. And seven days in a row sucks. I mean, it just... I, think, I thought it was eight. Didn't well, you do eight? you know, it was 75 hours over seven days. And some of them were 12-hour shifts. Some of them were I just went to a school and was... I have like a second job where I'm giving kids shots and stuff like that. But, you know, some people have to do that all the time. Freaking sucks. And that's maybe... It's, I sound a little angry right now because I'm still... You know, I got to go back to work tomorrow. I got to go to work in, you know, eight hours here. And um, it's annoying. You ever work 12 days in a row? Or, or not 12, but seven days in a row? Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, so, um, and I've been doing a lot. I'm going to break the news here. I got some big news, big news here. But don't put a lot of pressure on me. And this is the problem. I'm writing a novel. Okay, that's the big news. And my, here's the thing. I wanted to get this novel, the second chapter, not the second, the 22nd chapter. I'm revealing too much already. But I put a lot of pressure on myself. I just I can't do it tonight. And um, the thing is, here's the way this novel's going. I got it's a, a colleague of mine, a friend, um, and maybe he'll come on. We'll talk about it at some point. Let's be honest, friend. The last several chapters were not that good from his end as well as mine. He then wrote a really good chapter, and I feel like I need to up my game. It kind of got me more uh, reinvigorated, as you'd say, into writing. The, you know, producing the next chapter. But I don't want to just go in willy-nilly and just uh, shoot off a, a, a crap chapter. You know what I mean? I'm really looking forward to reading these next couple chapters. Yeah, yeah. Robin's been reading them. How would you say the novel is so far? I mean, don't... Would you give it a... Um, I would describe it don't as... Don't describe... Don't not describe it. Just uh, um, evaluate it in terms of its aesthetic and uh, the story. Don't say anything. I mean, is it okay. good or bad so far? It's good. Okay, is it really? I like it. Is it moving along? It's semi-autobiographical. Oh my God, that is not even true. That is not, <laughs> don't say anything. All the, right. the first off, if that's true, then I'm a horrible person because this character is kind of an asshole. Anyways, um, doing this show and, you know, just a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff is going on. But, uh, okay. Um, what do, do you think I should slow down on some of these things? Talking about stuff? No, the novel and stuff. Your projects? I? Yeah. Well, if you feel overwhelmed, if it's not fun. 
All right. Well, thanks for that advice, Robin. So um, we got a couple uh, letters. No, we got a couple letters, but I'm only reading one because I just I want to get onto this talk with Brian. And let me say, with Brian, we start off talking about he's moving from New York to whatever Omaha, and we do get into talking about safari in South Africa, and that's the most fascinating part of the conversation. There's a little banter in the beginning about just general minutia, but it's fun. Um, anyways, this letter is uh, from Ed Breeder in Omaha, Nebraska. That's actually where Brian's going, so maybe this will be one of his neighbors. Anyways, hey, Paul, I love the show. Should I be worried about Ebola? And if so, what should I do? Well, that's a good question. Should you be worried about Ebola? If you're going to be worried about it, what are you going to do every day, daily action? to like? What would you tell him, uh, Robin? Don't exchange bodily fluids with anyone that actively has it. Okay, yes. We know that Ebola is transmitted through um, bodily fluids, saliva, semen, uh, sneezes, blood. blood yeah. But sneezes meaning, you know, it has to be actually the, 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 the droplet molecules themselves. It's not like an airborne type of thing. Blood, uh, phlegm, all that stuff. What can you do? You tell them to get a flu vaccine. Get a flu vaccine because that actually that kills thousands more people than Ebola has. Well, in Africa, honestly, there's more people that have died of the flu last year than have died of Ebola. So that includes Africa. That's true. Um, so far, those nurses are doing well, thank, thankfully. Um, what should you do? Here's what you should do. You should uh, stop voting for Republicans if you are. Vote for people that are going to fund uh, you know, more uh, social safety, health, public health programs. Um, you know, I read it, who was the guy from the National Institute of Health, the previous director said, you know, if we had more money, we possibly could have a Ebola vaccine, you know, um, protests. Did you read the article I sent about that? I sent you about that. And what did it say? They thought that they were ready to have trials for a vaccine 10 years ago, but it got shelved because it's, there's no market for it. Yeah. It's not profitable. Exactly. We should all be protesting the drug companies because they're making these damn boner medications and uh, cholesterol medications. And, um, you know, are they even marketing cholesterol? No, it's mostly depression. Either way, they should be funding. They should be, uh, they're making so much damn money. They should be putting money into this. We should be taxing them more. So, uh, Ed, what you should do is vote for the lesser of two evils, Democrats, and um, protest the drug companies. I don't know. You you'll be fine. Don't worry at home. Enough of that. Sorry if I'm in a bad mood. Do I seem like I'm in a bad mood? A little. The Pirates did lose the playoff game. It's not a big deal. I'm over that. But I want to talk about something a little more positive. <laughs> Actually, it's not even that more positive. But I want to highlight a great American's life. Fred Branfman. Wait, how do you say that? I have phonics issues. Branfman. Okay. This is a great American. He died at age 72 on September 24th. Do you know what he did? I do not. Well, this is from the New York Times. October 6th, William Yardley uh, did the obit here. Um, the Vietnam War was raging when Fred Branfman went to Laos in 1967 as an international aid worker. Determined to immerse himself in the, sites, in the society, he lived with an elderly villager, learned to speak Laotian, and became a translator. In time, he meant Laotians. Is that how you say it? Laotians? Laotians? I think it's like... Laotians who told him something startling. There was a second war in their country, a secret American bombing campaign that was dev that was devastating remote villages. Anyways, 
this guy uh, exposed the bombings that were taking place by the United States government in Laos. He testified before Congress. Um, he wrote a book about it called... It's called Voices from the Plane... Voices from the Plane of Jars, Life Under an Air War. Um, according to reports at the time, at least 2 million tons of bombs were dropped from 1964 to 1973. It was said that no American should be able to read that book without weeping at his country's arrogance. The columnist Anthony Lewis wrote the New York Times in 1973. So, you know, this guy did a great job exposing this. And um, what a horrible, horrible event. So I, I'm sorry to bring this down again. But uh, war is hell, as we know. And I'm against bombings. I'm against... We, we should obviously we're all against that now although some people still aren't you still have Oliver North and uh, Sean Hannity say we probably should have bombed them even more but anyways uh, what else do we got to talk about before we get on to the fun pleasant <laughs> I do sound like I'm aggravated don't I yeah let's get to I want to hear what Brian has okay. to say but you know what I want to get to our sponsor and then I got a musical break and then we'll get to Brian the sponsor this week is the New Deal of Modern History by Michael Hiltznick. Hiltznick. How do you say that? Hiltzik? Hiltzik. He's, a, he's the author of Colossus. Now, um, in this bold reevaluation re of a decisive moment in American history, Michael Hiltzik dispels decades of accumulated myths and misconceptions about the New Deal to capture with clarity and immediacy its origins, its legacy, and its genius. Now, I got this book for Christmas, I believe from my mother-in-law. She always gets me good books. I didn't read it. I didn't read it. My significant other read it. Um, I, I believe, Robin, I think you read this book. You know, I have to say I didn't read the whole thing. Yeah, because I've heard it was a little bit of a slog. It's a little bit more about, like, the guys doing the New Deal and the the sort of behind-the-scenes bureaucratic players and the Roosevelt So the legislation and stuff like that? It the where I, When I was reading it, I don't recall it was being as much about the... Um, the union movement and the work, or, like the Well, the effects and, on people, the effects of the programs on the people, which I was more interested in. Does it talk in. about the labor movement at all and how the kind of like really lobbied I can't speak authoritatively having not read the Should we thing. read the book? That's, it's one of the that's sponsors not for this me week. To say. <laughs> I'm not, it's bad to talk against a sponsor. I mean, for Pete's sake, I'm going to say... Find this at a used bookstore. Um, this guy's a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist for the Los Angeles Times. Um, he wrote a book about the Hoover Dam as well. So, uh, you know, because I, I want to read this and then give it to my dad because my dad just becomes more conservative and right-wing as he gets older on certain things, most things, just about everything, um, I would say. some I don't know. But so I want to maybe give him this and, you know, people like the New Deal. People can be patriotic and like FDR and be like, oh, maybe there were some good things there. Even though he's benefiting off of all those programs and the Johnson stuff. Okay, um, I want to get to the musical break. I know I'm rushing through here before we get to our talk with Brian. The musical break is, I know I talk about Kurt Cobain and Nirvana before. And this, is, this is another Nirvana song, but it's by a great jazz, modern jazz pianist, Brad Meldow. And um, he is uh, kind of got me really into jazz years ago. This is a song, Lithium. Um, so I know most people don't like jazz. Most jazz is not good. 
But this is pretty good. I think you'll like it, and then maybe it'll open, it'll give you a window into more of his music, and you'll kind of get into some of his stuff. I'm going to probably play more of his songs later in future episodes. But uh, all right, Robin, do you have anything else you want to say? Let's get to Brian. Okay, you're going to hear this, the motif of lithium, the, the, the sound right away. You're going to recognize the Nirvana song. And it's nice. It's a nice piano, just, just this guy on a piano, Brad Meldo. But then what I like about the song is at the end where he goes kind of wild with the lower bass notes. And it almost sounds like there's more than one player playing the piano. And then he's doing some different things. And this, the motif, or whatever you want to call it, the melody is still slightly there, but he's really stretching it apart and adding all kinds of crazy stuff to it. And the song almost falls apart, and it almost sounds like there's two things going on in different directions. And then it uh, almost collapses, but then it comes back in on itself. No, it doesn't come back. Just, you'll like it. But just listen to the whole thing. Listen to it very actively, not just, you know... It's a really freaking awesome, awesome piece of music, music, musicianship.
Okay, that was Brad Meldow, um, Lithium, off his album Live in Marcia. I don't know, some Spanish city. Anyways, uh, I think it's a 2012 album. Okay, this is our talk with Brian. I hope you guys are having a good day. This is a fun talk. And again, I think we start talking about New York or we talk about the show Girls and stuff like that. Eventually, we get on to some world travel talk. We talk about South Africa. We talk about safari. It's a fun conversation. So you have lived, uh, you're now moving from uh, New York City to the Midwest. What, is it the Midwest? I mean, yeah, it's definitely the Midwest. I have a map here. Um, oh, yeah, you're right in the middle. You're going to move to, oh, my God, you're moving literally. Well, I guess Topeka is the middle. But where you're moving to um, Nebraska. It's the Great Plains. Yeah. Um, now, a lot of people, particularly in their 20s, 30s, whatever, New York is the Mecca. It's the greatest place. It's the greatest city in the world. It has everything. <coughs> um, that is the the dream to live there. But you're leaving there. Yeah, left. Gone. You you um, and I I visited your place once. You had a nice place. You lived uh in uh whatever Manhattan or something like that. Yeah, right the upper by west the park. Side, upper yeah, west side of yeah. Um, doesn't Woody Allen live there? Maybe I don't a lot know. of his movies are around seen. there. Yeah. Anyways, um. Is is this depressing? Is this sad? No, I was my it was my decision. Yeah, you know we were driving out of town like with the last of our stuff, and we were driving down um, Broadway, one of the major thoroughfares. Yeah, and um, we were passing. Oh man, that's that's our favorite shoe store. It's like the best shoe store we've ever been yeah. to. Oh yeah. man, that movie theater, like the best movie yeah. theater we've ever been to. Oh man, that restaurant, we love that place. Yeah, because like, there's a ton. And that, that's just on one street, and so like you're driving out, and you're like. You know, man, we are going to miss this place. But the other thing is, like, the difficulty and expense of um, living there is yeah. insane. And the way you have to warp your thinking. Um, this is th- this one story that I just heard recently crystallizes. It's not, in and of itself, it's not that big of a deal, but it just crystallizes um, what it's like to live in New York. So my wife has a friend. He's a lawyer. His wife is a lawyer. Two mm-hmm. attorneys. They're not working at like big firms. We're talking about people with law degrees who yeah. are employed. Yeah. And she's pregnant. In fact, she she's like eight and a half months pregnant. She's due any day. Yeah. And um, they live in an apartment in Queens outside the city because inside the city is so obscenely expensive. Mm-hmm. And so he has to get on like two or three different trains a day. To get <laughs> oh, to see, that's work. annoying to me. Um, and they bo- they don't have a washer dryer in their unit, which we didn't either. And <coughs> it wasn't even an option. You you couldn't have it. And they ha- they're having this baby, and I don't know if they'd want to have cloth diapers or whatever, but they wanted to have the ability to wash clothes in their apartment um, just because of the baby. Yeah. So he went out and bought some sort of small washing machine, not a dryer, <laughs> just a washing machine. And the only way to hook it up was, like, at the tub. And the washing machine is so big that nobody can really be in the bathroom when the washing machines are at the same time. <laughs> so <laughs> when it's time to do a wash, he has to like wheel this thing, push in. it in there, hook it up to the, I guess, hook it up to the, he's got some sort of hookup there with the uh, hot and cold and do it. And then somehow, I guess, string the, the clothing, there's no dryer, string the clothing out across their apartment. And he's saying, they only have one, one bathroom. Yeah. And he's saying, 
you know, it's actually not it's actually not going to work out too badly. You know, I think you know I, I think this is a good solution. And we're not talking about somebody who is barely it's like a tenement house. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. And this yeah. is there's two lawyers, and they're like, oh boy. And to me, and people are probably envious of that. Like, oh, they have their own little portable washing <laughs> machine. <laughs> right. So like. To, to me, so yes, um, we saw Broadway shows. It's remarkable to be able to get on the subway and four minutes later be able to be in, on Broadway. And you know, we went to see a couple weeks ago. We went to see a Letterman taping, which oh wow, that's cool. Yeah. I thought was terrific. I, I really wasn't looking forward that much to it. Like uh, my wife wanted to go, and so I was like, all right, I'll go. Yeah, yeah. And it was just so um, it's just a fantastic experience. See the magic happen. He was great. He was really good. Yeah. And um, you know, so you know we. Uh, we sample the entertainment values. You know, there's some restaurants there that you're just going to, you just get You're not going to get at. anywhere else. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, but every month you have to write this check. Yeah. And it's like, you've got to be kidding me for what we're getting. Yeah. And you walk, you know, well, cleaners are at the end of the street, but every time you want to do little laundry, you got to walk it down three flights and down the street. You got to do that in February. You got to do it in July. Yeah, that those are little things that add up and get annoying. I can yeah, imagine. and it's just you know we were there for two years. We probably could have. Um, if I was younger, I probably would have stayed a little longer. Yeah, yeah. I, a big uh, thing selling point of this apartment or house, whatever that we're renting, is um, our washer and dryer are in the bathroom right off our bedroom. So, like, I really don't even need a hamper. I could just like throw the food like the. Food. Th- throw the clothes like on top of the you know um and so i don't even have to take any stairs to do my laundry which i love um but yeah i i haven't had a thing where i had to do the laundry outside of the apartment a long I mean, time it's not like that big of a deal but it's like just one more log on the fire no when you get old like when i was in my early 20s i was like this is actually the first time when we moved here moved here i was 32 yeah i was Anyways, first time I had a dishwasher since like I moved out of my parents' house, <laughs> that that makes me feel like an adult. It's awesome. Like you just put <laughs> the dishes in there and they're clean. They come out and uh, doing the dishes now, putting them in there or taking them out. Um, but uh, I mean, there is this you know sexy factor about New York, but um, there'll be good restaurants and uh, you're still you're not moving to a farm. Well, I mean, uh, for community. me individually, I am going to travel a lot and I will be in big cities. I will certainly yeah. get my sampling. And one of the things that we, my wife and I talked about is if we have a family, we definitely will take that child or children to places um, right. so that they don't just grow up thinking this is all there is. And you can afford to do that when you're not paying the rent. I mean, yeah. what I paid in rent for this place in New York, I mean, you were there. Yeah. It's hardly the Taj Mahal. Um, it was, it was like a big one, and a half bedroom. Yeah, I mean, like, you couldn't call the second bedroom a bedroom because it didn't have a window. I remember the kitchen and bathroom were quite small. Oh, my God. The kitchen, I, like I said, I probably, where I'm from in Akron, I could have had a small mansion for what I paid for this place. <laughs> yeah. And I realize Akron is not New York, but okay. Yeah. I could have had a small mansion for what I paid for this place. And the bathroom, or the, the kitchen did not have a drawer. We, we, we had to purchase a little island that had a drawer in it just so we had some place to put our silverware so the silverware wasn't, you know, on top of the Yeah, stove. the kitchen was like a, s- a little alcove-ish type Everything thing. was like miniaturized. And the refrigerator, I remember thinking, like, you couldn't put a 
that was a small refrigerator. I do remember that. Yeah, it wasn't a mini fridge, but it wasn't like no, it wasn't a mini fridge. Yeah. It just was like sh- shrunken Every, down. The dishwasher was shrunken. I was at my mom's recently in Ohio, and I emptied her dishwasher for her, and I opened it up. And after two years of doing this little mini dishwasher, I was like, oh my god, like look at the size of this thing. It's a luxury <laughs> uh, dishwasher. You could fit a portable washing machine in there. <laughs> <laughs> Probably could. Um, and yeah, I think you made a comment earlier about like the bathroom. It's like it was so small. The yeah. You like hit your knees on the. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> yeah. saying, like, yeah. all I'm saying is, you reach a certain point in life where you're like, okay, I did this. Uh, you know, I was in college. You know, you, you know, you reach a certain point where like, let's, let's now have two bathrooms or two sinks where we don't, when we sit down on the toilet, bump our knee into the door. I mean, <laughs> I mean, at a certain point in life, yeah. you'd like. I yeah. know that it's, tr- you know, it's fashionable to live in New York and. Everything, but at some point you don't want your knee to bump into the door when you're sitting on the toilet. Have you seen that show, um, Girls? Yes. Do you feel like you're basically leaving that, like that was your life? Well, that's Brooklyn, which is different than Manhattan. That you've hit on a nerve with me with that show. Good, because that show annoys me. Oh, it annoys me too. Because although, uh, let me just say this: because uh, if we're going to talk bad about that show, that's fine. I've listened to two interviews now with Lena Dunham, and I like her after oh, the I interviews. Oh, I do, too. I was like, too. oh, I don't like the show that much, and I'm against sort of the whole show idea, but I like, I really liked her on the interviews, but go ahead. Uh, yeah, I, I think she's got a book coming out. I will be interested in the book. I might, you know, listen to it on an audio book. sounds like an audio, if she reads it especially. She yeah. has an interesting voice. Um, the sh- we're supposed to celebrate the show. I say we, you know, the viewing public, yeah. because it's an unvarnished look at what it's quote-unquote really like for, you know, 20-somethings. Oh, yes, yes. And, you know, you're supposed to appreciate the show because of its just cutting-edge writing, and this is how it really is for these, yeah. you know, this millennial generation right, right. that expects everything and doesn't want to work, whatnot. Yeah. And so that's what the show's supposed to be celebrated for. I think she's won Emmys for, for writing. But that said, you they can't go five minutes without showing, like, a raunchy sex scene. Yes. So... Which is it? Do you do you watch the show beca- because it's just incredible writing and it's unique, or do you you so, but you know so you do that for your audience, but then you don't respect your audience enough to think. And I'm no prude. Right, right. Don't get me wrong. I'm right. just saying, um, I just don't respect that. Well, I guess dichotomy. maybe she would argue that uh, you know young people have a lot of sex or something. That's fine. But you have to be. It, it's a little salacious. Yeah, it's over the top, you know? I mean, <laughs> yeah. and it's gotten to the reputation where it's a reputation for over the top. So it's like, you know, I'm sure what it is, like, I'm sure HBO loves it because they're like, okay, well, you know, men will watch it Yes. Yeah. for this. Um, and women will watch it because it's a personification of their plight. But I'm just like, well, just do one or the other. Why is it, you know, I, I'm just saying I don't respect the show that much because they feel like they have to. I also think it it's way. a little unrealistic of, like they're able to support themselves in that. Like I don't know. Is that? Do you think that's accurate? That like their jobs could have allow them to afford to live in those. I, like I, when I go to like diners in New York, I'm like, how far are these people traveling every day, or how many people are they living like, with? Are they living in? Yeah, are they living in New Jersey, or yeah, yeah do they live with or like, like you people? know like two hundred blocks north, you know? Yeah. Because like I know what it costs to live in my neighborhood, and I, I'm by no means. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm by no means on the swank end, the posh end, as they would say. Yeah, and, and yeah, like I think that their apart their apartments seem pretty nice in that show. And like, what's the one they just like? I guess I don't know. Their parents. It is them. it is obscene the amount of wealth in New York City. Um, 
There's a great documentary about this. Uh, yeah. About uh, I think it's called. It's like Park Avenue. Park Avenue, yeah. yeah. Like Same. one of these floors, you know, you write a billion dollars just to like, you know. I will say this, you know, going back to world travel. That's one of the things you realize when you travel across the world is the, um, you know, just the overall wealth you see concentrated, and then yeah. the, and then the extreme poverty. <laughs> yeah. So like, in London. You mean you think New York's well, like you know? No, I will say I went to London. That was the most expensive place I've ever been. In my it's life. It's unbelievable, um, especially in certain neighborhoods. Yeah, you know, they're just you know. I was in the most expensive place, and we were staying at a hotel that was. I mean, we were on foot, so that's just how it was. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, um, like in Tokyo, the the rents are so high that like the cost, the, the real estate is so high that like nobody even lives in Tokyo. Relatively, everybody's yeah. They taking trains. The businessmen stay in like capsule hotels. Yeah, like. and then you go to a place like Johannesburg, South Africa, where have you been there? Yeah, several times. Oh, several times. Yeah. T- do tell. Well, the thing about South Africa is that um, it's I know it's celebrated for you know because of Nelson Mandela. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's extreme inequality. It's still a very racist place, especially yeah. Cape Town, which is. Cape Town's one of the most beautiful cities I've ever been to. Yeah. Um, I was actually disappointed when I went to Sydney because it takes so long to get to Sydney. And you get there and it feels like, well, it feels like I'm in Toronto, (laughs) but I'm on the west coast of the United States. It feels like if you took the city of Toronto and put it on top of San Francisco, that's what it feels like. And so you're like... Sydney, Australia? Yeah. So you're kind of like, man, this is like... I mean, it's Australian, obviously, but it feels more like yeah. just just a, just the the mix of English and American cultures. And Cape Town like outshines it. And Cape Town is way more beautiful. And why, why is Cape Town so beautiful? Cape Town, like it sits on this piece of land um, below like this flat-topped mountain, and so it's just visually striking. Okay. And um, you can go top its Table Mountain, and you can look down on the city, and the city like you're is up in the clouds type thing. Yeah, yeah. You actually have to go on a day when you have a clear view. You don't. You can't always get it. And it's just so rugged and so beautiful at the same time. Like the mountains come to the sea. Is there? There's not shanty town action happening That's there. That's the thing. So, the thing about Cape Town, you s- and you see this. Like, you, you, like, I was driving on the outskirts of Johannesburg, mm-hmm. for example. Cape, Cape Town, and Johannesburg are very far apart, but just to illustrate something. And you're driving past what I would consider a middle-class home on the outskirts of Johannesburg. Yeah. Nothing special. Mm-hmm. And there will be 10-foot-high barbed wire uh, fences yeah. around the whole yep. property. Yeah. All these properties. Yeah. Um, because these are obviously white people who are afraid that they're going to be invaded. In their and homes. this is the r- like kind of the racism element yes. you see? Or were there other things? Yeah. Well, I mean, also what happened was – and this is in, in Johannesburg. The the the, the shanty towns are, are are infamous for their size, and they've been yeah. they've been in existence for a long time. What happened in a place like Cape Town was, you know, these all, as you go up and down the coast near Cape Town, there's just these little inlets and little cut-ins in the in the mountains, and there's these little towns that are tucked in there, and there's these yeah. they're gorgeous towns. And when apartheid ended, um, you know, black people, just natives, really came in, and said, we love this piece of property. We're just going to stay here. Yeah. And they set up like shanty towns on the side of these hills. So there's one community that, these communities that were like tens of million dollars for your your waterfront estate. Uh And all of a sudden down the street, 
the shanty town showed up. So the the um, the police built a police station on the edge of the shanty town, <laughs> like almost protect yeah, like you know, the landowners. Yeah. And they have to r- they run utilities into the shanty town so the people have free water and free electricity. Uh-huh. But they live next. You know, they basically said, you know, we're coming in. And, you know, if you're going to live in a shantytown, why not live in a shantytown overlooking the one of the most majestic views yeah. you'll see in the world? You're right. And so as a result, there's incredible um, uh, tension between those two communities. And just in Cape Town in general, like the hotel we stayed in was owned by German people, but they had definitely adapted to it. And they, you know, you gave us a cell phone and said, only call this taxi company. Do not call. Do not ever get in a taxi. And another time we were on a tour, and this woman was just dropping racist references left and right. How long ago was right. this? Two years ago. Uh huh. And um, I don't know. I just felt like uh, the country is obviously you're not going to get over generations of right. um, segregation in in you know 25 years. But the country I think is celebrated as because of Mandela as yeah, being right, past right. this, and I right. just don't think it is it at all. Moved. Um, so you went to um, Cape Town and Johannesburg. Yeah. What, what's the time travel car or whatever between it's those two? It's a three-hour flight, but you can drive oh. it. Yeah. Oh, they're farther than I thought. Yeah, it's so pretty far. But we went to Kruger Park, too, which is on the eastern side of the country. We went on safari, and then that was amazing. And over there, you don't see that tension Do you see all. lions and tigers and bears and stuff? No tigers and no bears, but there lions. There are bears there, I guess. Yeah. But over there, like there's a there's – a, I remember with this guy, our guide, his name was Twice – you say, well, he introduced himself to you, say twice. He'd you know, naturally say twice, like that's a name, twice. Yeah. He'd say twice, two times. <laughs> and he was, a, he, I'm a bush boy. He like wanted nothing to do with the city and he'd lived in the bush wow. his whole life. Um, you know, black guy. And um, you know, he's showing us all around and he, he would like get out of the truck and analyze, you know, a lion. Foot tracking. Track and, and everything like that. And, and, and to me, I felt way more at home way out there like which is m- more like in the in the uh, freaking jungle yeah in the you know the, the bush okay. not really a jungle and then then you'd go to cape town which is supposedly the civilized place and that's where i would feel the uh because he was friendly he wasn't bringing a lot of yeah with everything b- but baggage just, and yeah there just it wasn't an issue there you know i mean you know he was working at the resort we were staying at it wasn't like he was just a guy on the street i mean he had reason to my point is you'd think that out in the bush is where yeah. the problems would would be I thought saw people living together and working together and everything together in the bush way more than I saw in the big city. Me, blacks and whites working. Blacks and whites just working side by side. Interesting. You know, just in my I've been to South Africa twice. So when was the first time you went? Two thousand ten, four years ago. Oh, that's interesting. You should. Uh, my one friend, we did a show about uh, South Africa. Um, he went there when Mandela was elected, uh. and he was like involved in the. Uh, it is episode twelve or thirteen. Listen to it, folks. Um, but he. I think I might have listened to it. I'm yeah, sure. he was like down there passing out flyers and stuff. He was in Tanzania, and then he went there. But um, what was a? How did you end? Because you, you did a boat trip, or no, no, you did a tour around the world type of deal. Yeah, I like to travel in the off season. Um, the one of the things when you when you spend six months a year on the road you build up these miles and hotel points right, and right. so you can travel and so four years ago my friend and i we, we went around the world for a month yeah went to five continents and um that was when i was in sydney uh went to went to europe went to amsterdam and and berlin then went down to, to south africa then went over to thailand uh to phuket thailand uh-huh. which is like the hawaii of y- asia yeah then down to um 
Australia, then over to New Zealand, the southern coast of New Zealand. And then our last stop, it was his 30th birthday, was in Las Vegas. And now it was up to me. Our last stop would have been someplace like in the South Pacific. But he wanted to be able to celebrate with more people. So our yeah, last yeah, stop yeah. of our Around the World yeah. trip was Las Vegas. So, But that's, I f- that's fascinating, and we could talk about that some, some other time. But you went to South Africa twice. Usually, you know, you, you there's so many places you can go in the world, but right. you wanted to go back again. So no. the first time was the trip around the world right and then you went again oh was that uh your my honeymoon yeah basically i mean i mean we had we had we had four weeks but when you're going to all these different places we only stayed in south africa for three days and we're on safari for that whole time and so i didn't i didn't get to go to cape town and i didn't get to experience more of yeah yeah so when i went back for my honeymoon we stayed for a longer time went to cape Town. so you were like the the first time you went it was it, it was I'm I'm guessing it was a highlight of the the, the trip. Yes, we came back saying that was the safari like, was amazing. Yeah, yeah, like definitely. I want to go back to yeah. that. Yeah, and yeah. like literally flew in, drove to the safari place, got out of the safari place, drove back to the airport, and flew out. Just we were in South Africa because that's where we were. We, I didn't experience the country really. I experienced the nature of it. See, I, I I've country. South Africa has been a place that I thought like I'd like to go there, but it hasn't been like a like I think. Um, like the, the Netherlands and uh, Italy were a little higher on my list. But now I'm thinking, right. oh, maybe I should bump South Africa up. And the safari, you like that. Yeah. Because here's what – me and you both share this um, – not an outside person. We're not Definitely big not. into like uh, that. I'm not into like camping and stuff like that. Right. But you're kind of pushing this safari that you liked. Yeah, I mean um, – What did you like about th- it? Well, there's a thousand different safaris, and you can get everything from walking out there on your own – and you're driving your own car. Like, I'm afraid of spiders when I walk down the street. Well, so uh, my big concern was snakes, because I'm a horribly afraid of yeah, snakes. Yeah, me too. And a couple of the most poisonous snakes in the world are based in South Africa. And yet you, you like the safari. Well, th- th- I was mostly concerned about the mamba, um, because you stay in these huts. Oh, God, that I'm, are individual. I'm getting turned and off and by and this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting, I don't want to stay in a hut. You, well, you go on the, uh, when you go on safari, you go, at, you go at dawn and dusk. You go to two drives a day because that's when the animals are active. So yeah. when they come get you in the hut and when they take you back, they, they send a guide with you with, you know, with, a, with, a, with a flashlight. I thought they would have a gun, but they don't. And they're, like, looking around. Um, well, if, they were, if it was in America, they'd have a gun. But <laughs> right. yeah. They were looking for, like, they, they were trying to make sure there was no, like, leopards or elephants in there because that's what they're mostly afraid of. And I was afraid of snakes. But luckily, I, both times I went was our summer, their winter, and the snakes are generally in hibernation. Okay. So I said, don't even, actually, it's better to go in the winter there because the foliage, the foliage is down and you have better sight lines. Okay. The animals can, can't hide as well. Um, so that's actually What animals did you see? Um, they have uh, the quote-unquote big five. That's what everybody wants to see, which is the lion, the leopard, the buffalo, um, the rhino, and the well, why am I elephant. Did you say that one? The hippo, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe the elephant. Yeah. And so we saw all those. Um, like how close were you? Like you actually? Oh my god. You're in this open-topped jeep. It's it's essentially like a Range Rover. They cut the top. Is it off. a farm? Air? Is it like a? Uh, is it like a zoo? Not a zoo, but you know what I mean. Like, is it like a fenced-in? Like, there's where the animals are, or they're just like there are natural there are reserves where it's fenced in. Reserve. That's Kruger the word. Park, which is the king, is I mean, it might be fenced, but it's so enormous that the f- animals probably aren't. They're not even the aware fences. of the fence. Yeah, and it's like a 
you know, it's like a plane. And, you know, when they're, we're there in the dry season, so... I'm, like, getting afraid right now of this is the, my thought of... You're in, like, a ch- one of those Jeeps. It's dark out. You, like, shine the flashlight. Right. You see, like, the red lights of the eyes yes. of, like, a freaking animal that's going to, like, bite yeah. your head off. Yeah, so... Is that what it was like? Yeah, so... Oh, God. Get um, me out of there. <laughs> you're in a Jeep. It's open air. You have one guide or two. And you don't have a gun. I thought they would have a, they would have I would like a, gun have a gun under the seat, but or they don't. Something or a knife. So you, they'll go right up. Like we, at one point, they were very excited because we we saw we we came across the two male lions in the pride. Oh Christ! And we found them sleeping at like six in the morning, and they go, "This is going to be great. We're going to come back tonight, and they're going to wake up, and you're going to hear them roar. It's going to be great." Oh God! So we came back, and sure enough, they were in the same spot. They slept in the same spot all day, and dusk was coming, and the lions got up, and they were. 12 to 15 feet from us. Now, what they say is... Jesus Christ! What they say is, don't stand up because the lions view the truck as sort of like... A rock. A a big rock. They're used to it. They don't care about it. It, But when you stand up and start moving, then you might become a threat. So I was bolted there. Right. So sure enough, the two male lions that ran that pride... And they started roaring. They call their lionesses. Basically, the lionesses are somewhere else. Listen, they, ladies, w- come on. We're waking up. You got to hunt. The lionesses do the hunting. So they do their roars. And it was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in my it's life. It's like the MGM thing, isn't it? Yes. Like the, the movie, the, the beginning of the movie. The um, the bass. Yes, it was vibrating the truck. And the, the, the and then they, oh, have, that's they, pretty they cool, have scars yeah. all over their faces From because fighting. they had to go to get. They were like six or seven years old. And they, they're brothers, these two, and they start walking, and they, they walk, they get up and start walking, and they walk next to us. Holy I shit. I could oh have, man. not that I would ever have done, I could have reached down. I mean, you're off the ground a little bit, but I could have reached down and touched the lion on top of his mane. That's how close he got. And, he, and, the, and the guides were just totally, I mean, the guides thought it was a great experience for us to see it, but yeah. the guides, they were just like, no, no, they won't bother you. Now, they are worried about elephants. Because they'll, they'll, um, they, the elephants will plow. They keep a wide berth from elephants. They keep way back. So we're after dark that night, we're driving home, and we come across a lioness hunt. We actually, Oh, and you don't want to script the hunt, though. Well, we stop, and we're you know sort of going north and south on this road, and the lions, this pride of lionesses, is crossing the road on a hunt left to right, if, that, if you can understand that. Yeah. And so they turn on this... Um, it's a red light, so it's not to disturb the animals, but you can see, but it's red. And the the lionesses are coming out of the bush, a line of them, and we're directly in their path, and they just went around us. Oh, my God. And so I would see them kept coming out, and they're on the hunt. And they're, like, coming towards you, kind they're of. They're on the hunt. They're coming at us, and they go behind the truck, and I'm, like, looking back over my right shoulder and watching them, and I'm, I was, like, genuinely scared. Oh, like, yeah. And they just kept going. They didn't bother us at all. Wow. Yeah, that's... Uh so you're in this. So you you are in. I like this idea. You're you're in the the truck the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I mean like the, 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 there's a big thing in South Africa. The whole sundowner. Everybody loves their sundowners. So at sundown, right before sundown, mm-hmm. they take you to some spot where they don't think anything's around, and the in the the uh, guide gets out of the truck and, and messes um, with you and uh, make sure there's no snakes around. And um, then they set up a little table, and you have a little drink out there. It's like a little... So you do actually get out of the truck, yeah. but only in like a very safe Right. Um, have a drink, and then area. go out more And support. then you get back on the truck. What thing. do you do in between the the hut when you're like in between you're hanging out eating yeah lunch. mostly sleepy sleep because they like they're, they're they're rattling your cage at like 4 30 in the morning 
and then you're out from like 4.30 till like 8 or so, and you'll come back and eat breakfast, and you're like, I'm ready for a nap. And they, then they serve lunch, but we, I never ate lunch because I would sleep through the afternoon. And then and you some go out of these, at like 4 or 5 p.m. or something like that. The, this one safari I was on with my wife, they cr- across the way from the, the hot- from the little resort, I mean, it's not a building, it's just a collection of huts. It's yeah. not like you're seeing yeah. a tower. Um, from the main building of the resort, they had a watering hole. And so there was just animals constantly coming. Oh, and wow. And so, like, you know, one day we're out there and there's four elephants there. Another day there's a giraffe. By the way, one of the funniest things you'll ever see is a giraffe drinking. It, like, spreads its legs. Oh, yeah, because it has them. a weird anatomy. And so they, you could just go there and watch those animals. Um, I'd like to see that. Like, that that reminds me of, like, a Jurassic Park scene. My wife actually loved the giraffes. Um, we, we encountered many giraffes. Giraffes running. And they're, they're, they're generally... You know, I'll let you come right up to them. Um, they have those my weird wife long tongues and stuff. Yes, my wife loved the giraffes. Do, do um do you have have you changed your views on uh, zoos at all, or did you have strong feelings about zoos after seeing them? I mean, in the, in the their natural. The thing the thing about it is is that most people are not going to be able to go to Africa to right. see a giraffe. So, you know, I don't know. I support zoos. Also, I think as a kid, I love zoos. Yeah, I want to go to a zoo right now. Yeah. Because of you talking about this, yeah. Um, but it, you know, they're also kind of enslaved there a little bit. Not enslaved, but well, they in don't prison. Yeah, I mean, the one thing about these animals, I mean, it was genuine. Like those, the those scars, lions, seeing like, the scars, probably. Yeah. Th- like this one thing we saw. There's these one of the endangered species in South Africa is wild dogs. They look kind of like wolves. They have big, giant ears, and they're all like spotted. And um, not as dangerous as wolves. <coughs> they won't attack humans. Yeah. Well, I mean, I suppose if you inc- incite them, they would. And um, they were the the the, um, uh, the the guide was very happy when we saw them. He was like, "Oh my god, we found some wild dogs!" Yeah, yeah. There was a pack of them, and they all their their chests and their mouths were covered in red because they had just made a kill and they had gone to this water. Oh, to that's drink. barbaric. Yeah, and barbaric. so yeah, it's barbaric, but it's true. I mean, it's not like these. Th- they're not in a cage. They just killed something. Yeah, yeah. You know, another time we came up upon like a group of sleeping lionesses, and you could see that they had and and, the blood. and their and their stomachs were very distended. They just filled they'd, that they'd shit. Yeah, just yeah. E- and they were all muddy. It lo- the guide felt like um, we ha- that they had chased it into a local lake. And there's one moment, and, th- and this is like right out of National Geographic. We're sitting at this um, at this uh, at this lake. Yeah, and. The guide had realized that the buffalo, the the, the, the a, f- a f- what do you call a group of buffalo? Is a flock? I don't, I don't know. know. Herd. A herd. Yeah. Two, three hundred buffalo were coming to drink. He saw them coming, so he positioned us on this on this lake, and there was a hippo in the lake, which is a dangerous thing for all animals, but yeah. not if there's three hundred of you. And there was some lions drinking at the lake, and we knew that the buffalo were coming. And some lions were drinking, and here comes three hundred buffalo into the water all in one yeah, big yeah. swoop they all fly into the water to drink and bathe themselves right out of national geographic it was amazing and the lion now as you know as you probably know lions kill buffalo right but not when it's 300 four on 300 so we're watching there and the lions are sort of eyeing their position and some of the older male buffalo realize the lions are there so three or four of them come over and try to try Push, to like, scare hey, them away. get them out of here and yeah. the lions were like Keeping an eye on it, keeping it. We thought we might see something happen. Yeah. And the lions just slowly withdrew and got out of there. Safety in numbers. Yeah. And it was like a slow playing drama. Now, 
that's what you do something like that to see. You're not going to see that. In yeah, a, in yeah, you're series. actually seeing the action. Well, um, thank you for talking about this uh, safari thing. That's interesting. I want to end on a, you know, you love South Africa. You love um, the safari. What do you love about Omaha and Nebraska, and why should people go there? I don't know if people should go there. I'm not going <laughs> to endorse it as a vacation destination. I like that um, Omaha is it's very isolated. There's nothing within. I mean, there's Lincoln, yeah. but there's no major city within like hundreds of miles. That to any see, I, that frightens me. So they're they're you know relatively isolated out there. I mean, not well, in, Omaha's not, a major city, so yeah, but not in today's world. They're not isolated. Not like you can't yeah. get television or medical supplies, but. So Omaha is, you know, people, people like people in New York don't even know where it is. You are landlocked. Well, that's true. That is <laughs> definitely true. Um, yeah. They have some. I think they have some man-made lakes. If you want to see some yeah. water, um, it reminds me of this lake in, um, in you Oklahoma go to City. Falls. You know, if you want. In Oklahoma City, they have this lake um, that they built. It's like a man-made lake. It's perfectly round. <laughs> I, if I was going to build a man-made lake, I would make it at least jagged. Yeah. And. Um, uh, they the, they had put some restaurants around the edge of it. It's a pretty big lake. You can't even see the, all the way to their side. And at sunset every night, they the sun goes down and they like have a sunset party. Yeah, and it's a total manufactured yeah, experience yeah, yeah, yeah. to see sun setting over water. A circular. But what are you gonna lake. do in 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 Oklahoma, Oklahoma City? City? That's what you're gonna get. Right. right. Um, so in Nebraska, you know they're landlocked and there's nobody around them really. But uh, and you know people th- you know in other parts of the country think that they're bumpkins fly over country what have you well i've been to omaha people are very nice they had some nice restaurants there i went to a nice cuban restaurant they but the people in omaha don't care they're very proud of being from omaha they don't care what you think of omaha they don't care about how would you compare them between um nebraska ins to ohesians people from ohio ohioans yeah ohesians, ohesians. yeah people from ohio northeast ohio where i am from i find to be somewhat loathing self-loathing because the um, the cities the cities the, the uh, crippling depression the deindustrialization the yeah, not having any victorious core teams and they're 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 more pessimistic than optimistic like you like you come up with an idea um, for do something in the city and pe- people throw on roadblocks this is why it's not going to work and um, you know it's a dying it's a dying place whereas Omaha I'm not saying it's thriving but it's it's living. I think Ohio is like in it's like in managed it's like in the nursing home you know it's it's still alive yeah but it's not getting better yeah yeah you know yeah. you may have certain periods where it's a little bit better but it's not getting have better you heard the all. Cleveland song come on down to Cleveland town yeah. everyone I think yeah. I'll play that on the show if I can um, yeah I guess that's kind of that sort of celebrates celebrates the that, self-loathing um, or yeah. whatever. And I just don't find that at all in Omaha. I don't see both of our buildings. <laughs> right, but see, in Omaha, they have two buildings. They yeah. don't care. Yeah, I mean, right. And the thing about uh, Omaha also is this very stable local economy. Um, there's a lot of there's stuff. a lot of big companies that are based there that employ people there. Yeah, Mutual of Omaha. Would you visit um, South Dakota and North Dakota? I think that'd be kind of cool. I have been to 48 States. I think I've been to 36 or And um, one of them that I have not been to is North Dakota. North Dakota, yeah. Because, but there looks like some big water issues, at water, like rivers and lakes up there. Well, the Badlands. There's Badlands in South Dakota, too, but I've have you been to um, Have you been to uh, what the hell, Devil's Tower? No. That is in – actually, I think it's in Wyoming. It's in the corner of Wyoming. You'll be clo- – well, 
that's in uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Have you ever seen the movie? Of course, where they broadcast that's the, uh, yeah. Where that's where, uh, and then there's, uh, have you been to Mount Rushmore? I have. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, that was the my, uh, my one day that I spent in my life in South Dakota. I went to Mount Rushmore. Well, Devil's Tower is probably a short five hours from there. <laughs> that's the thing know. about the West. Like, you can say, oh. Wall no, drug. I went to wall drug. Oh, yeah, you have to. Because. It took me eight hours to drive there. It was just, like, straight. Right. It tells you. They warn you two hours in advance. But. Yeah. When you, when you like, when you. Like you know, this is the thing that the area is very pretty though. South Dakota, Wyoming, that's very pretty. Like if like if I was in New York City and said, "Hey, we're gonna come see you guys in Harrisburg," yeah, uh, or we're gonna go see our friends in Washington D.C. We're gonna go our friends in Boston. I mean, you have fifty different ways to get there. You can take a train, you can take a plane, yeah, um, you can drive, and you're there, and not f- not even half a day. You're there in the morning. Yeah, yeah. You know? um, if you're in oh, in Omaha and it's like, well, let's go see our friends in Denver. That's an eight hour drive. Yeah. Yeah. And like really, if you're going west from Omaha, Denver is the next that's the significant next city. Yeah. You know, it's not like okay, we're gonna we're in New York, we're gonna go down to Philly. It's an hour and ten minutes on the train. Well, the Rocky Mountains, you got the Rocky Mountains. You could go visit now. I mean, that's still far though. I remember driving on the whatever road it was, ninety or seventy, when we were going to Walt. Like we're going into Wyoming with the Rocky Mountains, and it was just flat forever, yeah. just flat forever. And you could see the Rocky Mountains, and you're like. This, this freaking car is going to drive into the mountains. Like, what the hell? Like, yeah. forever, forever, forever. I had I had a weird experience with that one time. I was driving in western Kansas, and it was a beautiful, crystal clear day. Not a cloud in the sky. And we're driving west. Uh, uh, whatever is that? 70? Or yeah, 80? 70. So we're driving west, western Kansas. And I, and I do remember when we left, we asked the guy. We left um, Manhattan. And we asked the guy, hey, how long did it get to Denver? And he goes, well, it kind of depends on the wind. Like, what? Yeah, right. Kind of yeah, not not yeah. taking a f- plane. So we're driving. We happen to be driving a big moving truck. I was helping my friend move. And I was driving. And I look ahead of me, and it looks like it's raining on the horizon. Yeah. I said, oh, it's raining. And I, in fact, I went to the point where I was, like, going to um, find where my wipers were. Yeah. So I didn't know, yeah. you know. But then I'm looking, and I'm looking to my right and my left, and it's completely clear blue sky. Yeah. I'm like, that really seems strange. Yeah. Kept getting closer and closer. We get up on it. It is not rain. It is a dust storm. And the dust yeah. storm is going from south to north, so it's coming from my left to right. And I can't control the truck because, you know, it was a moving truck. It wasn't filled to the brim. The back of it I is wanted, like, a breathing mask, you know, a ventilator mask or something. So I pull off the road because I'm having trouble difficulty yeah. with the truck. And the storm, you know, it is coming left to right, and there's tumbleweeds. You're like a storm chaser. There's tumbleweeds. Like right out of the movies. Oh my God! Yeah, flying across the plane and slamming into the aluminum side. Is this something that happens a lot, or was this like a unique thing? I don't know. I've never experienced it in my life yeah. before or since. And these, this motorcycle—I don't want to call them a gang—but this group of motorcyclists, possibly the pagans, maybe. <laughs> these motorcyclists um, came in behind me, and they didn't want to deal with it, so they took shelter. On the side of our truck. Oh wow! And you could, yeah, that could have been dangerous. So too. It, it didn't last very long. It was over in two minutes. Yeah. We were able to go on our way. But when we got to where we were going, which we were going to Denver, when we opened it up, there was dust covering everything in the truck. It had gotten through um, the truck. Well, Brian, anything? Any similarities between Omaha and uh, I want to? I have to go to a zoo and I have to eat because I'm starving. But I want to go to a zoo today as well. Um, so we should get going. Any similarities between South Africa and Omaha? Uh, South Africa, uh, Omaha has one of the best zoos in the country, the Henry Dorley Zoo. Oh, it's very good. Very good. When if you re- return to Omaha, you more than you're more than invited. And since I now know that you're a zoo lover, yes, <laughs> we will go to the zoo. Yes, absolutely, the Henry Dorley Zoo. 
All right, well, thank you so much. Thank you, sir. All right. Okay, start saving up for that ticket, plane ticket to South Africa. I want to go on safari now. Um, I'm sure everybody else does. And thank you, Brian. Brian works for, he's a journalist, works for ESPN, does sports writing, um, basketball writing, journalism. Um, all right, stay warm, guys. It's getting fall time out. Wonderful weather. Just put on an extra coat or something and love it. Bye. you by the roommates of Salvador and Kate G. Executive producers Josh Ferris, all labors donated. Thanks for listening.